Hi, Travis. Thank you so much for joining us on Black Ink Cinema Podcast. How you doing? Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's amazing to have you on the show. Um, before we get into your film choice, we just want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I did see snooping around on your Instagram that you're in the latest spitting image, which I used to be a huge fan <laughs> of when I was little. Um, I don't think I should have been watching it at all. <laughs> and I probably didn't get the jokes properly, but I enjoyed it. I used to sneak upstairs and watch it in my parents' room. Like when they were watching it downstairs, I yeah. used to love it. I was just convinced that it was for children just because it was puppets. Same here. I was like, of course it's for kids. I never understood why my mom didn't want me to watch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did I that mean, come about? Um, do you know what? Like it, the I just got an email from my manager one day and they were just like, oh, they're scouting for, for writers for this project. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the sweet image. So I sent some ideas in. I'm not going to lie, I was not optimistic of my chances, but <laughs> let me just do this anyway. And yeah. like about maybe six months later, I get an email and they're just like, oh, Jeff Westbrook wants to have a chat with you on Skype tomorrow. I Googled his name. I was like, wait, the dude that wrote Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. huge. I'm telling you, man. I was, yeah, I'm really proud of that. Glad How to be was that experience? Uh, it's an ongoing experience, to be honest with you, because... Okay. You know, uh, whilst there are a lot of things in the can, we're just attacking current news affairs. So if Boris Johnson says something stupid tonight, it could be in there on Saturday. I so mean, that's I guess the- it makes your job a little bit easier with the stupidness that comes out of people's mouths, you know? Yeah. And also it's quite weird because like satire is usually, you know, you take a funny spin on something when someone's trying to be serious. But it doesn't seem like Trump and these guys are serious in any way. <laughs> No. So jokes off on that is like, dude, it's already a joke. <laughs> and it's so grim as well at the moment. So you're like trying to find the funny out of situations a little bit. It's a bit tough. If you don't laugh, you'll cry because this year has been a madness. <sighs> you and I both. I was like, I don't know. I keep saying, can it get worse? And then something else happens. And I'm like, maybe I should stop saying that. Yeah, just stop challenging the universe. I'm not going to stop. It's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. I'll take full responsibility of that um so how did you get into comedy um it's a tricky question to answer because like i kind of i grew up around comedy so my mum is a stand-up comic uh, oh, wow, that's amazing. yeah so like it's just been in the background of my life so my my dream was to actually go to the nba and that was literally how i dedicated all my time and then i got to like 21 and it was just like yeah it's probably not gonna happen like it's just going to have to accept it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a sad story. I'm, I'm happy with how my life turned out, but it's okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> pretty successful, so. Yeah, it's not too bad. So, like, because I wasn't so, my regiment wasn't so strict anymore. Like, I'd be up in the morning training. I'd go mm. training in the evening, have matches on certain days. It was really intense. So I had all this time to do social things now. I started going out to comedy clubs. And I went out and I was in the middle of Kojo's Fun House. And I remember sitting there watching the comedians on stage and they were brilliant, by the way. And I just remember thinking, I can do that. I don't know why I think I can do that, but yeah. I just know I can. And I told my friend and he was like, ah, whatever, I just thought it was talk. So I started going to comedy clubs by myself now. And I was oh, just wow. like, this is past a, a night out for me. This is research. And I just took a jump, man. And yeah, it's 11, 11 and a half years later, we're here now. <laughs> and it was a brilliant decision you made. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't miss anything about my old life. What were you, apart from basketball, were you working or doing anything else 
before that? Like, I was a very stubborn kid with my dreams. Like, I thought I would go into the NBA. Like, that's it. You, I yeah. don't need a backup plan. Like, I chose my university because they had the best basketball team in the country. Oh, wow. So I, I chose the team literally on the day of enrolling. Mm-hmm. I scanned the, the list of courses that still had availability. And I was like, well, that looks like it might be fun. I didn't know that it would also help me with my stand-up career. I chose creative writing and media studies. And okay. yeah, that's when you know God has a plan for your life. That those, He was those like, we're work. just going to do this. We're going to cover these bases. And so just to prepare you for this. And I think it might have been a bit handy, your mom being a comedian as well, because most comedians that I speak to, they kind of feel like, you know, they didn't even know it was an option. They didn't know it was like a career path. And you kind of tell your parents, oh, I want to be a comedian. They're like, yeah, that's... That's not mm-hmm. doctor, doctor, lawyer, or accountant kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So you probably had it. Okay, fine, that's cool. But you, no, actually, you'd be surprised. My mum's actual first words to me when I told her I wanted to be a stand-up, she said to me, "You better not embarrass me." <laughs> <Love that. laughs> You're like I've worked way too hard for you to come along and tie yourself to my name. The so pressure. the pressure was there, but I think you know she knew the pressure would be on once people realised that I was her son. So mm. then it was this, you know, kind of like harsh training camp. But, you know, I'm I'm glad that I went through it the way I did and it just worked out for the best. Yeah. And so with COVID and everything happening this year, have you got any shows lined up or coming up? Man, COVID is just the bully in the neighbourhood. Like, thing oh. is, I had so many great things planned. I was going to do, some, I was going to debut my show at Soho Theatre this year. Oh. Another thing lined up at a big theatre, which I didn't want to disclose just yet, mm-hmm. and just got wiped off the table. But it's fine because I think um, getting a lot of kind of behind behind the scenes work in t- TV production and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm quite excited with how things are moving. But you know, just trying to make the best of a bad. Just trying to remain optimistic about next year, though. Yeah, and you're upskilling in the process, which is always good. You there know. You go. There you go. Um, so, where can people find you on social media? Social media. Uh, follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter, Travis J E N T. Uh, Facebook, Travis J. But don't add me on Facebook because no one. Who <laughs> actually? I only use it for work. It's just one of those things that's so dormant. It just feels weird being on Facebook now. Like. <laughs> I see statuses and I'm just like, who is this person ranting about? Like, it's just <laughs> too intense. <laughs> I feel like that's not the place to rant anymore. The place to rant is Twitter. Um, yeah. the, the place to show off is Instagram or whatever. And yes. the creative place is um, TikTok right now. But to be fair though, be careful, be careful about those rents because cancelling is a real phenomenon. So That's why I don't even tweet. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't want that responsibility I'll retweet something here and there but for the words to leave my mouth and it mm-hmm. no no it's fine I just find someone mm-hmm. somewhere will find some offence to it and it's like forget it it's the wild wild west man <laughs> it literally is um, so we're here to celebrate all things black cinema and you chose the brilliant crime thriller collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx yeah um what made you pick Collateral? Do you know what? I love that movie. Uh, I'm a huge Jamie Foxx fan, right? Mm-hmm. I think I've, I, I look up to him in so many ways. Like he's a stand-up comic. He's an actor. He's a radio presenter, singer. Like he's just so... Everything. Personal. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I look at him when it comes to how I've tried to model my career, getting into acting and all that kind of stuff. So I like this movie because it was a comedian in a role that's not comedy. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the showcase of range, which he's gone on to do many different occasions. But I remember watching that one and that one had a real impact to me because I was just like, I only know this dude to be funny. Yeah. And here we are in a thriller with Tom Cruise. And I was just like, this is a great two-man lead type movie performance. Yeah, it is. It was really nice to see him in that role as well, because like you, I was used to seeing him a bit silly, a bit flamboyant. And this was a really like, I don't know, like quiet, geeky, yes, kind of scared guy. And he was, you know, playing around with his glasses and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to see him um, in that role. Yeah. And what I think is great about those performances, when you've got someone who's like a naturally cool person yeah, and they make you just believe he's a geek, those couple things are just amazing to carry off. It is. And also that was the year that he had Collateral and um, Ray. And so I think Collateral kind of like shook people with like, oh, we weren't expecting this performance. And then Ray just blew it out of the park and he won Best Oscar, obviously, for that. Yeah. Um, I kind of said like that was such a peak for him. Like it must have been difficult to kind of top that achievement in one year. <laughs> no, of course, of course. That's that's the type of breakout year you want as a just as a performer, like because you know mm. coming from a comedy background and then really showing that yo, I'm actually a serious actor. That's just there's so many levels to that that moment for him. I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, I was genuinely so happy for him, um, and also because he kind of broke out in the mainstream, like really late, you know, quite late in comparison to other people. It yeah. was such a like triumphant story that you just were like so inspired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the love story between him and Jada, him being the the cabbie and her high flying lawyer self? Did you, was it believable? Um, I mean, <laughs> it's funny when you see these type of things play out in films, because when you're watching it, you just, you just accept it. But then when you actually start thinking, is a lawyer getting into the back of a grubby cab and leaving him with her contact, with her contact details? Hell no. Hell can no. Just, that conversation wasn't that amazing. <laughs> can I just, but can I just say, in her defense, mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you come across like really decent human beings, right? This, he's supposed to represent that really nice guy, decent yeah. human beings, which don't come around often and really genuine. So she was probably thinking, you know, she's quite successful, so she doesn't need him to be all of those things. She's already all of those things. So I think it didn't really mm-hmm. matter the fact that he was a cabbie. It was just, oh, this guy's cool, like genuinely cool. He's not putting on a show trying to impress me. He he just is. So I know what you mean. I know what you mean. In like, the defense you... of um, all things rom-com. <laughs> I'm gonna... Listen, that type of stuff wears off after like three months. Right? <laughs> That's the it's the it's what they call the eighty twenty rule, right? So it's like if your okay. guy you're dealing with is the douchebag, you just want him to be just a bit more sensitive. Then you meet someone that's really sensitive, but he's broke. He's all the other bad things, but he's sensitive. So in that moment, it feels perfect. Two and a half months later, I want this guy out of my life. I mean, we'll never know. <laughs> we will never know now they didn't continue the story they walked off the train and to me it seemed lovely like the beginning yeah. of a great relationship <laughs> we need part two <laughs> we, we definitely need part two um, so the film set in LA have you ever been to LA do you have any cool oh, stories I haven't been to LA no I was close to being in LA but the uh, COVID decided that I wasn't going to LA COVID so, is really messing with people's lives 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely want to get to LA next. Well, next year, hopefully, the world opens back up again. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't been either. I've always wanted to go, um, but it's just things happen, you know. Yeah, but it's <laughs> only, it's only like what, when I had my tickets and stuff booked to LA, I reached out to a few friends out there, and they were just like, "Dude, just make sure you hire a car, or mm, you're going to be spending yeah. a lot of money in taxis." So. Just knowing that information, just looking back at the movie, it makes perfect sense why someone just relies on a taxi in this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm that person. When I'm on holiday and stuff, I wouldn't. I don't want to drive. I don't want that responsibility because mm. I want to have a few drinks here and there. And I just, I'm not that sort of person that will drink and drive. So every time people say the same thing to me, like you need to drive, I'm like, oh, that sounds that's too much work. And can I hire a chauffeur to drive me around the whole time because I haven't got the time for it. I just, I think I'd be able to, but I just don't trust myself to just get used to driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, no. I'll definitely go around the wrong way. The roundabout? Which, which way am I supposed to look? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a hot mess. We're Ooh. not doing that. There's a real morality theme throughout the film. At the end, there's that scene um, with the coyote and Tom Cruise, and I guess he's supposed, the coyote represents him. Kind of like it, was, it came full circle. I think that's when, you know, the, the, the writers of that movie, they did such an amazing job mm. of just executing that kind of surrealism in the midst of all of it as well. And it's like, I I, I was really impressed because these type of movies, the storylines aren't like that elaborate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a hitman, he's got a job to do, you've got to help him. It's a very straightforward tale. But then what they've done with, the, with such great writing, like, for example, even when they spoke about how, you know, when, when, um, Jane Fox's character starts relaying the story about that man who dies on train and yeah. is dead on the train for so long and nobody even notices. So yeah. that's tied up in that perfect bow at the, at the end. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I was just, ah, uh, I was in awe. So I was like, it's a real great display of writing. I, I really enjoyed it. I yeah, thought, it was like when he, um, Jamie's complaining that he's killed this guy and Tom's like, why are you complaining over this fat guy when, you know, a thousand, hundred thousands of Rwandans were murdered and you didn't batter an eyelid? And it's kind of like, yeah, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know them. I didn't know no, I don't know no Rwandans. And that's, it just was just like, yeah, steep, you know, it's like people die every day and how Tom justifies it in his head is like, it's just another person. He's a bad guy anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's just crazy how they made his character trivialize death in that way. Yeah. Like you start to understand how someone can become a hitman when you think like that. Do you and know he what doesn't mean? see he's such a psychopath. He doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing. He just sees it as a no. job. Um, mm-hmm. and how and that he's good at his job. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that he just seemed he was so inhuman for me. Like he just mm. human instinct, no emotions. And then you've got him now partnering up with this sensitive man. <laughs> like it was it was wonderful to play which is why I really enjoyed one particular scene where the laptop was destroyed yeah and he had to go Jamie's character had to go in pretending to be Tom's character yeah that seems brilliant and and like you know and I was so impressed by that performance yeah. because you went from this sensitive over emotional dude and now you're in there being the tough guy oh, yeah. just like, kudos he almost picked up everything he learned from Tom throughout the day and then mm-hmm. just regurgitated it in front of um, Javier Bordem, which was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. The cast is ridiculous in this. Mm-hmm. There's always a few little gems that pop up here and there, and you're like, oh, because I hadn't seen it in a while. So kind of like revisiting the film again, I was like, there's a lot of like amazing actors in this. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's um, the film I go back to like <laughs> maybe every six, 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 six to eight months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a few like that as well. And it's definitely jumped up there. I don't know why I was sleeping on it for a minute because I remember I fully enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it. Like I, I enjoyed it even more this time. Um, yeah. I could see more or I don't know, understand a little bit more um, yeah. now. And I also noticed that Michael Mann loves his leading guy in a grey suit, box haircut, grey, grey hair, yeah. um, which is similar to Heat and looks kind of similar to Robert De Niro's character. Mm-hmm. And he also names him Vincent, which is Al Pacino's character in Heat, which I just yeah. thought was like quite little cool parallels that I picked up on there. Got a little theme going uh, yeah. with his visions for these movies. Um, I mean, if you... <laughs> I mean, the grey hair, for me, I never did understand it because I was looking at his hair, I mean, just thinking, you're not that old. It doesn't make sense for you to be that great. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, being a murderer is a stressful job, so maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where that comes from. I Ooh. I mean, I'm sure it was a lace. Because, you think you think yeah, it was too, it was too pristine, like it was too prim and proper. And I, I can't see Tom Cruise like saying, oh, can you dye my hair grey? Because he's like, you know, it's quite particular when it comes to his hair. So, so what you think is a lace front? Yeah, for sure, for sure. That Similarly to uh, Jamie Foxx's hair, which was a little bit suspect at times as well in there. Okay, but Jamie Foxx's hair is always suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No ratings, just like no. Uh, listen, I'm a number one Jamie Foxx fan. So if you, want <laughs> you know, both. This it's not an insult. <laughs> I'm just, but he. His hairline is not consistent, and I don't know what's going on. Like I couldn't, I couldn't look at a picture and be like, "Okay, that's his hairline and yeah. this his makeup," because it's always different. It kind of, yeah, it's really it it moves a little bit. And the whole, the whole, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe a hairline, <laughs> but like the whole, the starting points even change. They're always different. It's either wide and deep, or like really far forward and really far apart. Yeah. It's like, bro, you can't. You, we're going to see that. You're not going to get that past us. I know. I know. But now it's almost like he's aged backwards because I swear, like, that was, I can't remember how long ago that is now, but now, hair's on point. No, yeah. I'm not going to I don't know, say maybe. why, but I'm just saying his hair's looking... All right. So American barbers, right, <laughs> are a bit more comfortable with extra additions. A bit more ah. comfortable than they are over here. Okay. Right. Recently, there's been some new additions into the fold. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> just, they just call it, would you like some enhancements? Unless you I love that. New additions. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I had an experience with some extra hairline enhancement things myself once, right? I, try, I thought, let me try it out. And when he yeah. finished, oh my gosh, I felt like a new man. I felt <laughs> Were you ready for the night out? You like ready, what? feeling Listen, yourself. He did this thing where he sprayed just a little bit and then he shaved. And I was just like, wow, there's more hair in the corner. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, okay. But the only thing is, it just, you can't really sleep on it. Like you can't, you can't really live your life. <laughs> it's really restrictive. I mean, if you welcome scratch. to being a woman. <laughs> that's, that's our lives. The first couple of days of getting braids done, it's a, it's a situation. Oh, mate. But that first day with the haircut, though, I was going everywhere. I was going for drives just to visit friends I haven't seen in a while. Just to, 
taking selfies. Yeah, man. Let the world know that I'm back. One thing I really love about, you know, how Michael Mann makes his movies is the cinematography, how LA is shot and lit just so beautifully. And mm-hmm. I think it was kind of the beginning of the digital age in filming then as well. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it? I think it's amazing. I mean, they, those type of films really sell LA. Like they, mm. you know, American movies, like they are so good at making their country just look like the best place ever to live. <laughs> like, you've just literally watched a movie about a hitman going around killing random people <laughs> you never know. But in my heart, I'm like, I still want to yeah. go there just to be on that strip. Yes. So, yeah, man, I, I yeah. think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Are you a fan of Michael Mann's work? Yeah, no, I, I do like his work. Um, Ali, for example, that's like one of my faves. Will Smith performance. And Jamie Foxx was in that one as well. He played, Mm. um, oh, what was his name? But he's one of, basically one of Muhammad Ali's entourages. Uh, I'm a big Mm. boxer, but I should know this is really bad. But before (laughs) Ali's fights, he would always do the same pep talk with with this guy. And he'd be in his corner, rumble, young man, rumble. (gasps) (laughs) So like, to see Jamie Foxx play him, because he struggled with alcoholism and drug abuse. He, Mm. again, Jamie Foxx was fantastic in that as well. I think Jamie's brilliant in everything. Um, also in Miami Vice with Michael Mann, which I think he must love working with him. And he seems like someone who really is engrossed and is like a good student of the arts as well. Yes, yes. I think that's why like, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of his for those reasons, like the discipline. Mm. Because yeah. with me, like alongside stand-up comedy, I also act. And I've never really drawn, like I can, I can do it because it's in my lane, like comedic acting. But mm. serious acting is just, that's what gets me going. Like, mm. I would love to play a serial killer. And it sounds yeah. crazy to say it, but it's... No, no, you want to play something that's very far from who you are. Otherwise, you're not going to push yourself. That's it. Like, when I, I get, like, an audition piece and I see, like, it's a really strange character, I'm yeah. in the zone. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, yeah. think, I think inspiration from someone like Jamie Foxx, where it's like, you don't applaud the versatility, you applaud the consistency of level of talent across the board yeah so like yeah that's the benchmark Jamie Foxx man he is so good so you said you'd love to play a serial killer if they were to remake collateral what role would you prefer to play the Jamie Foxx role or the Tom Cruise role oh flipping hell um I think I'm going for the Tom Cruise role oh psychopath yes yeah I think that's yeah oh man and I and I I I always used to think about that role as well okay and I'd have that same argument with myself. It's quite, quite crazy that you asked me this because <laughs> I remember looking at it thinking, I'd love to do that, the Jamie Foxx yeah. character, because an ODE to yeah. him. Like a, but then Tom Cruise's character is just perfect for how I see, yeah, that's the one for me. So you could you feel that's probably more far from who you could possibly be. And also it was nice to see Tom play that role because usually mm-hmm. he's like this likeable right. hero and now right. he's just a cold-blooded murderer, which was... Because the thing is about these cold kind of like, because like I remember doing a, a, psycho, a serial killer monologue, right? So mm-hmm. I ended up doing quite a lot of research about serial killers and their cold demeanors and, and why they get to that place. And it's like, once you start to understand the, the journey that takes them there, mm. it's like, it becomes real. So you can play it. Do you yeah. see what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. Every, every one of them has a story. And <laughs> this is not the root of justification, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically saying yeah. it's okay. No, 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 not at all. But yeah. it's like, with that research, I was able to see that it's like, 
A plus B equals C in your life. And that's mm-hmm. what took you to this place. Mm-hmm. And once you start to kind of do that, it becomes this, this game of, okay, now me, how can I get into that space with my experiences mm-hmm. and then you play it? So I think that journey of playing Tom Cruise's character would be so much more appealing to me. Yeah. I mean, I watch all of those kind of dra- like crime dramas, you know, CSI, Law and Order, all of that jazz. And I always, yeah. it always makes sense. It's like, oh, well, his childhood was awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. His parents or his mom did this. You know what I mean? It kind of adds That's up right. to that point in that person's life. So it, mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a little bit more easier to package. Yeah. Because you're yeah. like very single minded and this yeah. is your job kind of thing. And they're very, methodical in the way they are yeah they have they're very strict with their process and their what Mm -hmm. they allow themselves to feel Mm. there's another type of control over yourself which is insane because not not many people will master themselves in that way no no these people like killing is not a natural thing for us to do yeah so to become that person that means you shaved off a part of your emotional shape yeah exactly and then yeah. to learn that there's some people who actually don't have empathy or a conscious, like genuinely do not, it, you know, they're born without it. It's mm-hmm. been like a weird realization. I was like, oh my God, you just assume that everyone has that. And That's so, right. Of course, if you're born without a conscience or, you know, empathy, yes. That's <laughs> Being right. a serial killer is definitely in the cards. Do you have any favourite scene? One of mine is the club scene when all hell breaks loose and Tom Cruise shows off his immaculate action sequence fighting skills, which he's just so menacing. Like, I don't know if it's something he works on, like, by himself 24-7, like, how to hold a gun, but he always just looks so good doing it. He looks amazing. Him and Keanu Reeves, they have that ability to just, like, just become soldiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think my scene where I thought was amazing and it's really unrealistic is when, um, so Jamie Foxx's character has got a gun now and he's now trying to, he's trying to get away from him inside the, to, to save uh, Jada in the work building. Yes. Tom Cruise is up chasing him behind it and he shoots him and he clips him on the ear and he just turns and just continues coming forward. That's why I was like, oh my that's, that's where it went from a 10 to a 9 for me because yes. after oh, wow. he gets clipped in the face, first of all, no blood on his face and then it's like all lovely like wiped away and the blood's only a little bit on his ear so you're like okay is his ear shot like what's happened but he's kind of like he's not off balance everything is fine you've literally just got shot in the face what happened to that bullet but the thing is though think about how intense the movie just got at that point like this whole time this dude has been invincible and then you shoot him physically and he just just bounces off for me I was like they're gonna die they're going to yeah. die. That's oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was yeah. like, these two have no idea what's going on. So it was that scene and a combination of when Jamie Foxx had to go inside and make those criminals believe he was Tom Cruise. Mm. Those two scenes for me made the movie. Like, I was... When when I saw him suddenly switch, because I thought he was going to go in there and try and snitch his way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, cool. You put the ace out of your sleeve, man. That's I'm here for it. I think also because you saw him breathe, take a deep breath, and he was like, okay, I'm going to get into character now. And then you saw the transformation of like bad boy (laughs) Mm -hmm. come through. Also, Mm. another good scene has to be the jazz sequence when they go to the club, the jazz club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he's like doing what he does, charming the poor guy. And then the guy realizes that 
it is his time to die and yeah. he gets shot. Um, I found that so like that was intense the whole time because I was just like, this is not what it seems to be. And Jamie for yeah. a minute forgot himself as well. Jamie's like having a good time, having drinks, yeah. not realize just shot a couple of people. Do you know that gave me, uh, you know, like Angel of Death vibes? Mm. Like you see the Angel of Death in like certain movies. I, I can't remember what it, I think it was Joe Black with Brad oh, Pitt. Love Joe Black. He, he'd go and sit with people. Yeah. And just wait for them to come. Like that's the kind of vibe that scene gave me. Yeah. I was like, wow, this guy's he's acting like death. It was really intense. Yeah. It was like till this day, like it's one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah he, you see when he did the Jamaican accent? Oh my god! It's, so, <laughs> it's like the one thing that stood out to me. I had to just be like, "But wait, did I just hear right? Like he did it so well. Nailed it! I couldn't believe so it. Wow! <laughs> wow! Like I might have to watch that tonight just for that scene. Um, I thought that was just so good. And the fact that um, it was with a Jamaican woman as well, I was like, "Flip me, a auntie!" Like yeah, a proper auntie. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking the lingo. It was hilarious. Um, and talk about how in shape Tom Cruise is. I heard you do a bit of boxing and chariot yeah. boxing. Yeah. Tell oh, us yeah. a bit about that. Do you know what? I got into boxing. I've, well, to be fair, I've always loved boxing. Like my, my dad, my granddad, we always watched the big fights. So I've kind of watched boxing my whole life. But um, so I, I went through a bit of a weird period in my life um, when my daughter was born. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of became a dad at like 23 didn't really have my life together. Like, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. Like most 23-year-olds, that's fine. Well, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. But like when you become a dad, suddenly you feel the need to just be a complete man really yeah. quickly. So I was like, things are not going great. I'm not making too much money. And I saw an ad in the paper for like boxing, like white collar boxing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like, you know, train like a fighter for three months and then have a fight. And I remember just convincing myself that if I was able to do this and pull this off, then something must be special about me and then I can I can take on life. Yeah. So I had a lot riding on this just for a boxing match, but I really committed. I gave myself, I really trained every day for the fight. I won the fight. And that, well thank you. So that <laughs> mental journey of doing something so difficult just really just boosted me in it, like my confidence and just everything kind of bounced back and things started to really work out for me. And now yeah. I've just got this deep love and relationship with boxing. And I had a fight again a couple of years ago. Mm. I won that one, you know, by a knockout. It was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I'm really proud of that one. And I got a boxing podcast as well called the Undefeated Podcast. Oh, cool. And yeah, man. We just, you know, we're just making waves in the world of boxing. Me and another comedian called KG. Yeah. So we, Is he a boxer pro- as well? No, he's, he's another fan of boxing as well. Like, he mm. just loves it. And we just take the mick out of fighters. We brush jokes. Sometimes it can be serious. But we got to we got invited out to Las Vegas last year to sit down with Lennox Lewis. What? Crazy, crazy. And he doesn't really do that many interviews. So for that to even happen, I mean, God knows, I haven't heard or seen anything of Lennox for like forever. Did you go? Did you manage to go down? Oh yeah, it was perfect. It was amazing. Like and the ring. The way it even started was my co-host was dissing Lennox Lewis and Lennox Lewis responded on Instagram. Like in the oh. comments, it's a resp- response. Couldn't believe it. So we leaned in again, you know, he, he insulted him some more and then he DM'd us on, on, uh, on Twitter. DM like, from Lennox Lewis. I feel like you listen, should lead with that. That should be in your subheading somewhere. I don't know. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. How yeah, was, was he? 
<laughs> and everything. Pardon? He gave us tickets to the, the Deontay Wilder fight. We were ringside That's- in the MGM Grand. Oh, so basically, all I need to do is go online and diss people or, you know, start no, a fight. That's not good <laughs> advice. And then I might get a free ticket or no? You know what? Go for it. Okay. Go for it. I, but don't to be fair, me. I'm too shook. I'm not about that life. I'll do like one line. They'll come back and I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Looking back at the growth of Jamie Foxx's career, um, I find it particularly inspiring because obviously he came, you know, started out he's a performing arts, you know, person. He does yeah. everything, a triple threat, actor, singer, um, comedian. And so it was really exciting to see him at like 36 uh, win an Oscar and then go on to the success that he's had. Mm. Um, do you think that has like a different effect on you with success if you get it a bit later in life you do earlier on? Um, you know what? I, I really don't. I, I think it depends on what motivates you in the first place. I think mm. when you are committed to the craft and you just love the craft and, you know, come hell or high water, this is what you would be doing. It, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Mm. Whereas I think, you know, sometimes people have a desire for fame, which is very different to trying to be an expert or great at something particularly. So I think mm. when you're chasing fame, you do feel the clock ticking. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. when it's like, you know, I, I look at, for example, for, for me, fame isn't the the end goal for me. Like mm-hmm. I really just want to be a great comedian, a great actor and a mm. great writer. These are my goals. And, you know, if superstardom doesn't come in that fashion, I know I'm going to be somewhere working and making, you know what I mean? Making strides. So, mm. you know, I look at, say, for example, I look at my age now, I'm, I'm 33. You mm. know, you look at Eddie Murphy when he blew up, he's like, in his early 20s, 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crazy yeah. thing. It, it happens in different ways for different people. Kevin yeah. Hart, I think he had his moment at 30, early 30s. Then he mm. went on his crazy run. So yeah. like for me, I don't watch the clock. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I just know I'm going to appreciate the moment when it finally arrives. Mm. And I think what's kind of cute with Jamie and Tom is that Jamie actually went for the role in... Um, the one that Cuba Gooding Jr. played in Jerry Maguire, didn't get it. Um, kind of had a similar role in Any Given Sunday. But then they kind of link up again now in Collateral. So it was kind of like always meant to be. It's like a weird little trivia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like hearing things like that. Yeah, but I mean, they, they have a weird relationship anyway. Like, because... Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Oh, the- good old Katie Holmes... How, I, I mean, mean I and, so the, and the thing is, they genuinely, from the interviews before that, anyway, before that situation came out, we're going to call it a situation, um, they love each other, like, you know, overtly would say, like, you know, love Tom Cruise, love James Fox, like, shout each other out all the time. Yeah. And then... They did a wife swap. <laughs> Somehow, Jamie Fox ended up with his woman. Jamie, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> It's wild. And I remember What's reading... Funny is that, sorry, it's just that they're so different. It's like polar opposites. You don't even see the correlation. You're like... You can just imagine what happened. I reckon, you know, they, they became really good friends. And, you know, Jamie Foxx being a single funny dude, he was just around too much. 
And, <laughs> just, and he's so charming. You can just imagine that anyone would fall in love with him. It's just like, how can you not? It's, it's not her fault, really, to be fair. I mean, yeah, he's a great guy. And I remember reading that there was like a, a, a media ban on covering Jamie Foxx and their relationship afterwards. Like Tom Cruise was like, you guys can't be public with your relationship. I think I think he shut it down for his own. Yeah, I definitely think someone shut it down because I don't. For how big that news was, like oh, really? the love triangle that they had going on, um, it's very interesting. It's very that's weird. How you know, that's how you know Tom Cruise is powerful. Oh yeah, He's like, I don't, don't want to be embarrassed. You're not going to have anybody laughing at me publicly. No way. Hell no. I mean, he seems to be aging backwards as well. I'm not quite sure how that happens, but like. Every time a Mission Impossible film comes out, I'm like, really, Tom? Really? You're not going to? No? No, it is. When you, if you dye your hair, right, just for men, it's saving a lot of people. <laughs> like, if you dye your hair, like, you can still look like time hasn't moved for you. But mm. his knees, I promise you, his knees are every bit of his age. But he's doing all those, like, stunts on his own, breaking his legs here and there off buildings. When he goes home, his <laughs> knees. <laughs> so much ibuprofen. So much. There you go. So a lot of the film is in the taxi, the cab. Do you have any cool, funny, weird cab stories? Um, no, I'm actually really good at, at ignoring and managing the fact that I don't want to speak in an Uber. Best thing to do when you get in, just make a call. Start the call. Like, yo, what's going on, bro? Yeah, I, I was trying to reach you today. How are you? And then like, the call doesn't even have to last. It can just fade uh, out. You can just stop speaking. He can, he, in his mind, you are still on the phone. Right. Moving. I don't, I don't get that. I can come with my headphones. I can come on the phone. They just want to ask me questions and speak to me. And then we end up having like the weirdest, deepest conversations about everything. Um, but I think you might have a more welcoming face. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Thank yeah. you. No one, no one ever says that. Yeah, you got a welcoming face. I, I can make my face unwelcoming. So I'm, I'm quite good at, I'm from Lewisham, <laughs> South London. We, we got ways of dealing with strangers. <laughs> the thing is, I think I have that face and I've been accused of that. So it's quite weird that they want to talk to me all the time. But I guess he says it's welcoming. I will take that compliment for sure. I remember, actually, you know what? I remember this one Uber driver. He, uh, he was a pastor as well. Oh, Lord. Okay. And this conversation was really actually insightful. Like... And the thing is, it was quite annoying because, you know, comics, they, you know, sorry, they like to ask, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I usually lie about this question because I know that I'm a comedian leads to more questions. Makes so, me laugh. Yeah. Normally I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, I just, I work in accounts and they just keep moving. There's no questions. Mm-hmm. But this time around, I said I'm a comedian and somehow we got into this big conversation about how important it is for your comedy to have a meaning and a message. And I was just like, I remember leaving the car thinking, yeah, that was, that was actually a decent conversation. But yeah. I will never tell anyone I'm a comedian ever again in the cab because I'm not doing that every time. Oh, God. It's, it's yeah, it can be a lot. I always yeah. say something basic as well, just so I'm like, don't lead on to any leading questions. Like, I'm just not in the mood to talk. Yeah. They all want to know where you're from. Yeah, I know. And then it becomes like, because you have to double the question. Because it's like, oh, where are you from? And it's like, oh, yeah, clapping. It's like, no, mate, where are you? Uh, where are you, you from? <laughs> yeah. Where are you really? I'm from there. That's You just picked me up. 
literally I'm from there. So it depends on what mood they catch me and I can be really stubborn sometimes. <laughs> I was thinking when I was watching the movie, uh, there's a part when they're on the train and it kind of reminded me, speaking of Keanu Reeves, kind of reminded me of Speed. You know, that like chasing oh, on the train and then the girl and the guy and he's like the hero. And even mm-hmm. in the end, when he shoots him, the realisation of like, oh, damn, I've just been shot by this guy. I kind of felt it was like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and die peacefully. He, his relationship with death has now changed. Mm. Right. It was like, it, he died in the way that I imagined that his character would die. Someone who's lived a life like that would die. Where it's like, wow, I, I always knew my day would come. Yeah. Didn't was think kind it would of content today. with it as well. That's right. That's right, because I think when you you live that type of life, you're in that world, you meet death, you introduce people to death often, and here it is now for you. It's It's got to be somewhere else where you just process it like, wow. Oh. <laughs> it happened. Okay. It's yeah. kind of like you live by the gun, you die by the gun. It's very That's simple right. rules you of life. You crying going, no, why me? Yeah. You know why you. <laughs> And it's throughout the whole film, Tom's constantly trying to push Jamie out of his comfort zone. And he's like, you know, Jamie has this big dream of having his own business like he's had for 11 years or 10 years it was, I think, in the film. And Tom kind of rolls his eyes like, if you've had it for that long, you're just dreaming. You're never going to kind of pursue it. Um, But I feel like by the end of that, you see Jamie kind of, I don't know, graduate into a more stronger... Yeah, believing himself, like, character. Um, Even the way he holds Jada, like, he's taking control of the situation. And so it's really nice to see the arc of his character grow. It's it's one of those interesting, like, you know, um, what's the word I'd use, where it's, like, complex, Mm. where he had something, he had a message to deliver. Yeah. Even though he was a flawed individual to the nth degree, he Mm. still came with a message that you need to live your life. Whilst I yeah. kill people, I'm here to teach you to live your life. Crazy. Yeah. But life is complex. So I, I really appreciate you. those little nuances. And it's funny, the person who's taking life with that message saying you should enjoy every day and live life to your best. Yeah. I think that hits home <laughs> literally yeah. um, a lot harder. So if you had to direct people who haven't seen this film for some weird reason uh, to YouTube, to watch a clip, what clip would you recommend them to watch? Mm. I say you should watch two clips. Ooh, First okay. of all, the one where he's with Jada and she's in the back and he pulls down his eyes, his, um, his little visor thing. Yeah. His head. What is that called? I think he's a visor. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. He pulls it down and he tells her about his, you know, where he goes when he's looking for a moment in the day. It's mm. that moment. And then also, you got to have you got to have the scene in, in the jazz in the jazz bar. Yeah, it's so, so good. Yeah, yeah. Those scenes will sell the movie for you. Yeah, that would the jazz bar scene would definitely be my one because it's just that actor's so um, he's so good. I don't know if he's playing that trumpet for real. I'm not quite sure, but he plays it brilliantly, yeah. <laughs> um, and you just get the essence and the feel of him completely being clueless of what's going on and then all of a sudden it dawns on him like, well, this is, this is awkward. Yeah. 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 It's quite, <laughs> it's quite deep. sad. Yeah, it's deep. <laughs> so that is 
it from me, Travis. I have to say, I've loved speaking to someone who loves a movie like oh. you do because you can really like go into depth and, and break yeah. it down and just talk about all the good stuff that we love. Um, have you ever met Jamie Foxx, actually? No, just again, COVID. I bought tickets, right? He's do, he was doing a stand-up performance out there, right? I bought tickets. I was going to be in the third row, right? And I, I knew, because I've... I, I, <laughs> so Dave Chappelle was going to be out there. And I kind of know a couple of the guys in the entourage. So I was yeah. just going to play and just hustle my way back And just, boom, get a picture with Jamie Foxx, man. That would be... Yeah. That would be a moment for me. Is he your, like, number one? Uh, him and Dave Chappelle. Him yeah. and Dave Chappelle, those, those two, uh, for different reasons. So Dave Chappelle, I look at as, like, the absolute benchmark for stand-up. Mm. And Jamie Foxx, the benchmark for being a stand-up who breaks into an actor. So he's like my career idol. Like I want my career to be like Jamie Foxx's. Yeah. He can literally do everything. It's quite unfair. Um, Well, I hope you do get a chance to meet him. Hopefully 2021 will bring more joy for everybody. Yes. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Um, It's been a pleasure having you on the show and I wish you the absolute best. Thank you so much, Travis J. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Get your hands on a gym and tonic G&T box. Head over to the website, and yeah, that is jimantonic.com, and enter the promo code BLACKINK for an exclusive 10% discount on your order. Gym and Tonic, sustainable urban gin.